Blog Talk Radio. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Madam Perry's Salon, the podcast that loves you, the podcast where fascinating people meet. That's why it's a salon. And I am your host, your groove mistress, and your spiritual advisor, Madam Perry. But you don't have to call me Madam. You can call me Jen, Jennifer, J.P., Perry. I'm just delighted to be here, and I'm delighted that you are, too. Thanks to everyone who's been following and who's been subscribing on Apple or Spotify. Thank you so much. Um, I, I appreciate the subscription. I especially appreciate some of the reviews that I get. Well, all of the reviews, actually. Uh, thank you again so much. Because of you doing that, I get to continue having some of the, such fantastic guests like I've had, like I've got coming up. Last week, we had Matthew Clickstein. If you missed that at all, Please go back and check it. And turns out we had a mutual friend, Beth Lapidus, the writer and comedian and producer of Uncabaret uh, that we talked about, too. And let's see. We've got filmmakers coming up. Hopefully, Charles Mason, who is a costume maker and sci-fi author that I met this year at Wild Wild West Con. Hopefully, Charles is going to settle down on a date, and he'll be here, too, soon. But anyway, tonight. Tonight's the night. We have got such a good time coming in. Uh, now, my guest is almost here. In fact, actually, uh, she's going to have to beam in uh, why, because that's what she's used to. That's why. Because uh, that's just the way it is. So let's see if I can. If we see her out there, let me check with uh, Fiona the Wonder Dog. Fiona, look out the window. Tell me. What we see? General Quarters. Security, condition three. Thank you. Security three, sir. General Quarters three. Intruder alert. EQ three. Intruder alert. Whoa. As, as I sit here in the genie bottle, who just beamed in? Oh, but, my gosh. Oh, that was quite an experience here. Wow. Um, I, was so I brought my beautiful black long-furred kitty, Michonne, named after the wonderful black character on Walking Dead. She wouldn't shut up, so I had to bring her tonight. Um, sorry. I am thrilled to have Michonne here with you. Lynn Barker. How? Oh, this is the only way that you could enter. You just had to make your entrance like the star, like the celebrity, that the fabulous woman that you are. Uh, And you have brought us so much with Twilight Zone, Star Trek, Deep Space Nine, and that's just just a teeny, teeny, teeny bit of your creativity, your brilliance, and your talent that you've given to us to make our world 
so much better. So welcome to Madame Perry Salon for your first visit to you and to Michon. Oh, well, this is a lovely place. I love the cushy cushions. And, oh, my God, Michonne, she's she's needing one of your pillows with fringe on it, and she's going to wreck it. I'm sorry. It's going to be fun. Hey, this girl, is a place of happy. Oh, she's, okay, she's lying down. She'll leave us alone now. Okay. Well, I think Michonne is aware that uh, Madam Perry is a groove and let groove kind of gal. So, <laughs> Good. Michonne, just call me JP, Michonne, and we are just fine. And yes, she is gorgeous, like the gorgeous Michonne and Walking Dead. So happy to have you both here. Lynn, I don't know where to begin. You have got such a, uh, you have got so much cred in show business and uh, writing, screenwriting, well, script doctoring. Where do we, I don't hardly know, uh, journalism, I hardly know where to start, but we're going to dive well, I in. have reinvented myself several times by necessity. I think a lot of people out there can relate to that. Uh, something dries up and you say, well, what else can I do? And uh, I've always written something since I was very young. So uh, from journalism to, um, you know, scripts and now novels. So we're moving right along. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um yeah, so, and one of the things um, some people will know or they'll ask me about right away is they say that um, you were such uh, good and close friends with the writer Dorothy or D.C. Fontana, and you had such a friendship, and uh, you worked together for yeah. a decade, and we're very, very close. And one thing we've got to talk about tonight, we might as well jump in, is a project that I believe you and D.C. and another friend of yours, Bud Lewis, started that you had to finish after D.C. had to beam somewhere else. Um, She's out there in the stars. We're positive. (laughs) I believe it, too. Um, That's why I didn't say, you know, die or pass, I thought, well, she had to beam somewhere else. I have just finished reading Futurist Rex, the book that I believe, if I understand right, it was the the idea came to you from Bud Lewis, to you in D.C., and you began writing it together, and why don't you tell more? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, well, first I better tell you how I met Dorothy. People probably wonder, you know, how you get close to an icon. And uh, oh, yeah. I had uh, been in television news in San Francisco, and I decided that the hard news thing wasn't for me after college. And so I, because uh, I had a friend who helped me get into um, a few sets in uh, down in L.A., and, of course, I was hooked. I thought, I want to write or produce this, you know. So I moved uh, down there, and... I had uh, recently from then in college found out that D.C. Fontana was a woman because of uh, the book, you know, The Making of Star Trek and uh, a picture of her. So I I thought, you know what, I'm going to take a shot in the dark and I'm going to write this woman a letter. So I put it on KRON TV stationery, which was where I worked in San Francisco, and I thought I'm never going to hear anything. But I mailed it to her, and a week later the phone rings and it's her. And she, I had, asked, I had been asking for tips on how to get into the television industry. I didn't say definitely writing things, but, you know, producing or, you know, or um, writing television. Did she have any tips? So in the phone call, she said immediately, I've got some tips for you. 
And <laughs> can you meet me at Lucy's El Adobe across from Paramount for dinner, and I'll tell you what I can to help you. And after I figure didn't pass out, and I, uh, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> and, uh, and she said, uh, I don't look like all my pictures, so I'm going to be wearing a name tag, Petty Point name tag with a flying horse on it. I thought, I didn't know anything about science fiction fandom and that people wore name tags. So I thought, okay, <laughs> all right. So here comes this woman and uh, darker hair than, than her picture and with, uh, with this name tag. So it had to be her. And uh, long mm-hmm. story short, we really hit it off. And that was the beginning of like an over 40-year friendship. Oh, my. Yeah. Perfect. So, but Futurus, um, yeah, many years. Um, in the uh, 80s, uh, a very good uh, graphic novel illustrator and author, Bud Lewis with two Ds, uh, you know, brought this idea for King Arthur returning in the future. Uh, as legend has it, he was only sleeping and would return when Britain needed him the most. And this was Bud's idea, and at first he wanted to do it as a graphic novel, but uh, he came to us and said, I think we could do it as a script. So we looked at it. Dorothy was always a huge Arthurian. She loved anything about the uh, Arthur legends and, uh, you know, everything from um, the love triangle to uh, the sword and the stone and, you know, and any legends about Arthur returning. So uh, she talked me into it, and I got into it, and we wrote a script that was, frankly, before its time because everybody who read it seemed to like it, but they, they went, we can't do the effects on this. This was like, I think, maybe the early 80s, and things were not developed. You could not do a character, uh, you know, it, w- it would have had to have been a guy in a suit or animate, you know, mm-hmm. couple, couple of our characters, and that was not what we wanted. And they didn't want that either. So it basically it got shelved because it was before its time. So uh, Dorothy and I and Bud just went on about our business, different things. And then Bud, sadly, in 2014, died. Oh. And uh, we didn't know where he was. We'd lost contact with him. And, uh, you know, after that, we thought, oh, we should make this story, even for him, we should bring this story to life. So why don't we just write it as a novel? <clears throat> so... We started and stops and starts because she was teaching at uh, the American Film Institute and, the you know, her students took up a lot of her time. And I'd write a section and she'd write a section from an outline we wrote and then we'd, we'd edit each other and, you know, take it back and forth. And uh, she was, the ball was in her court for a final section and she started getting ill and got more ill and never finished it. So um, as soon as she passed, I vowed to finish the novel and I did. Mm. So um, I guess, you know, I, I try to imagine people writing something together, but you two have known each other for so long and been such good friends and worked together. Uh, did that make it any easier or oh, yeah. it more difficult? <laughs> mm-hmm. it well, you, could, you, could, you didn't have that thing of, you know, kind of being signed, assigned a partner, I mean, where you have to tippy-toe. If, if something sucked, we'd tell each other. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we'd, we'd say, uh, this makes no sense. I think maybe, yeah. And, you know, we'd write each other back and forth more than we spoke on the phone. We'd write emails. And, uh, yeah, what if this, and a lot of what ifs. What if we did it this, what if this happened instead, or this mm-hmm. person does this instead. And so we never fought over it at all. I mean, we'd, we'd figure out what was the best version and go with it. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
you know, that way we shared different sections. And based on an outline, we did write sort of an outline that wasn't exactly like the script at all. Uh, not completely. We had other characters and a few more things happening. But it is a very fast read. It's a short book. It's, a, it's an action-adventure uh, set in future Britain, far future, <laughs> after a holocaust <laughs> has happened. And it's taken people back to a bit of a medieval existence again. And they're at the mercy of techno-wizards. Uh, and as Arthur, I think it was Arthur C. Clarke said, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. And you have to keep that in mind when you think of these techno-wizards. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, there's a baddie. They've got a, you know, the people need a battle leader. And there's a strong troubadour. We call her a song-sayer. And she could lead the rebellion, but she needs a battle leader. And, of course, guess who's going to wake up and be the battle leader? Oh, King yeah. Arthur. Yeah, King Arthur. So um, it's not an Arthurian tome with, with opinions about whether Arthur existed or not or what he's thinking about being a stranger in a strange land. There's a little of that. But it's a fast-moving, uh, fun, and sometimes funny, and a romantic, there's a love triangle, uh, action-adventure. And you can read it on a plane, I guess. You know, it's, it's about 184 pages, of, depending on where you read it, if you read it as an e-book, uh, you know, or a paperback, or, or we have an audio book, very good audio book out, too. Oh, good. Now, we talked about the Arthurian uh, legend and uh, so Arthur has been, he's been sleeping or suspended in, something like that, and um, comes to, yeah, when he needs to, oh, but before that, I wanted to ask, Songsayer, uh, in the mm-hmm. book, Aliena is a songsayer, and now that's a word I've never heard. Did you create that for the book, or is that already? Well, who knows? I mean, I haven't read everything in fantasy, so <laughs> probably somebody has called some troubadour that. But but yes, we we made that. We thought we made that up, but I'm not going to say definitely it's ever called. Yeah, it's sort of like um, you know, it's uh, she's keeping the legends of the past alive, but yeah. in her songs and. Uh, the pre-war, the pre-giant, uh, really awful war, uh, legends alive in her songs. And so, um, you know, it's just another way to say troubadour. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I was thinking when it, when he first said, you know, bring out the song sayer and then the type of song she began to sing, you know, of mm-hmm. course it all made sense to me. And it made me think of things like uh, I once had an acting teacher that said, um, artists are the priest of our culture mm-hmm. and i thought well then she's that's what she is you know she's she's holding the information and the stories and keeping it for the culture to share mm-hmm. yes uh, and by the way you're one of the few people that get, pronounces her reign, her name correctly off the bat i've gotten alena alana it's, uh, oh. it is aliena you're right <laughs> so, so congratulations <laughs> being one of the few I people am... that get but um, oh, good. yeah, what what I enjoy too is we've got this whole uh, Robin Hood esque band of uh, former robbers who um, you know rob from the the rich and they keep it. <laughs> they, don't, they are the poor, so you know they they rob from the rich and keep it. But uh, they good hearted people, and uh, Connery Beige is the is the head of this group of foresters, and uh, he has been forced to go straight or or uh, lawful 
by the grand mm-hmm. magician, um, Karayan, who has made him a marshal of one of her outposts. So he's got to wear a uniform, and he hates it. And uh, he's kind of trapped because her punishments are legendarily horrible. So he has to kind of do what she says. And uh, he's not comfortable in that uniform and pulls at the collar a lot. And uh, he can't wait to get back to his old ways and get his band of thieves back together again. But it's easier said than done. And he, of course, is the bad boy that Aliena is interested in until Arthur comes along. Well, and then yeah. you've got you've got a little triangle there going, and it's uh, it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, <laughs> I think. And then we have two now. gals, who uh, ladies who come together. They don't know each other uh, until the rebellion uh, led by Arthur and Aliena begins, and they come from two totally different backgrounds. And they meet, and they kind of like each other, or maybe they really like each other. So they're just discovering some of these things, and there's more to read in the sequel I'm writing on that one. (laughs) Oh, good, good. And I like that part, too. I like the fact that it just kind of fell in organically. Yes, I tried to do it organically. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. That's kind of mine. I sort of did that. But it's, uh, it's just all kinds. Everybody's represented in this book. You've got... You know, I left it open, except for one character Character is described as chocolate-skinned. I've kept it open, so if you picture yourself in there, that's great. You know, it could be it could be anybody in any persuasion, any lifestyle, any anything. You know, we, mm-hmm. they're described, but they're not described in such detail that you can't picture yourself as one of them. Okay. All right. I get it. I like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, uh, sweet. And, of course, when Arthur is there... Even though I read, you know, I read a lot of the Arthurian legends growing up, still I can't help but think about the first time I saw Camelot and Richard mm. Harris was Arthur. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's, uh, our Arthur is, is pretty robust. He's in his 40s, yeah. so he's still, he's still, you know, rather robust. And, yeah, you can picture that. I mean, a lot of people will. Or they'll go to the movie Exc- Excalibur and uh, picture that Arthur or um, – you know, just whatever's in their brain. I didn't even mention Modred. Um, there is, a, there are also obviously two spellings. People say Mordred, or we we went with Modred, just M-O-D, and it's there's many different you know uh, legends with different spellings of his name. But of all the knights that were supposed to be sleeping with Arthur, the only one that wakes up with him due to certain circumstances is Modred. So he's got his his nemesis, his his nephew nemesis, to deal with in this too. So you have your bad guys that are in this new uh, advanced far future world, and then you got Modred. <laughs> so does Arthur try to redeem him? Does he try to to fold him into the rebellion in a good way, or will will Modred? you know, go and be Modred, or will he maybe yeah, change exactly. the tune? We, we'll have to, <laughs> have to read it and find out. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm here to tell you, folks, you don't know at first. You, you keep thinking it's going this way, that way, this way, that way, and, yeah, mm-hmm. it kind of keeps you hanging on. Well, some people love that because it is a fast read, and some people say, well, I wanted to spend more time with this bunch. And then you went over to this other bunch. And it's it's a big rebellion. We're trying to bring people together here. And uh, so you have to sort of, uh, you know, concentrate on this, this bunch of people and then bring them together. 
So in the in the uh, sequel, I'm going to do a lot more uh, on each bunch, and we're going inside the enchantment. We haven't mentioned the enchantment, which is like the land of the fae, oh, yeah. the equivalent of that. So you got your trolls, and you got your fairies, and you got your, all those type people, and we also have a. a race of beings called Fweens, T-H-W-E-E-N-S. And they are very dragon-like, but they hate being called dragons. They are feathered rather than scaled. They have many tiny wings, and they should not be able to fly, but bumblebees can fly, and they shouldn't be able to fly either. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, so you've got this thing that can fly that hates to be called a dragon, looks like one otherwise, and it can talk, is very intelligent, and uh, pals around with, um, you know, elvish gentry and uh, other, you know, beings from the enchantment, and they will maybe help out our good guys. So you have a really cool little being, and you mentioned you liked it so much you wanted a plushie, or a little plush doll of it. (laughs) I do. name's Yaustis, I'm sorry. Y-A-U-S-T-I-S, yes, okay. (laughs) Yaustis the Thween, I want... A plushie of Yaustus, I do. And I don't know. No, I think means something else. I think that's people that enjoy being in costumes. Of, you know, let's don't go there. It's a plush. Oh, no, no, no. I think I was thinking of like, okay, then maybe I was confused. I think like a stuffed, you know, like what we used to call stuffed, stuffed toys. Toy. For the last... Yeah, I do get it. I do too. Yeah. I just I can't afford to have a bunch of them made, but it would be fun if somebody wanted to read the book and make one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Listen, I, I – so many creative people are meeting at the cons, listening to the show, different authors. I know there's got to be at least five dozen that can make a Well, make back a in the day when I used yeah. to first start going to, yes, conventions, there were several people who made dragons, very cute plush dragons. I think I still have one somewhere. Uh, I'm sure these people have either passed on or stopped making dragons by now, but I know it's possible. But they would have to put something on it that looks like feathers, because this is not a scale that's a feathered dragon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there. But anyway. Okay. Um, I'll be putting the call out. You, you know I will. Yeah, that'd be fine. Very good. <laughs> so, yeah, Yalsis is a thween, and he doesn't want to be called a dragon. He doesn't want to be called a monster either. Oh, gosh, no, none of them do. Uh, no. uh, I think we have a 10-year-old boy, I haven't mentioned him, um, who first discovers that these beings have crossed over through a portal into uh, their, you know, the, the future world. And uh, he sees them first, and he thinks, you know, he sees, takes one look at Yaustus, and he thinks of monsters. So mm. although we have Tiberius, who's a small uh, creature, you know, so maybe an elf, but we're not sure. But anyway, a small little creature. And then we have a very tall, elegant member of the gentry who uh, is very different. They all look very different, but they don't look like anything he's ever seen. So he calls them monsters <laughs> first. And they don't like that at all, of course. We have Merlin in the mix. I'm not going to tell you how he, oh. he comes into the book, but we do have Merlin in the mix. And, um, yeah, he and, and um, Cat, who's the name of the 10-year-old boy, will become good buddies. So, in a way, so we'll see. <laughs> but, yeah, um, lots of characters. People go, there's so many characters. I want I want more. Then, okay, I'm, in a, I'm trying to write it. <laughs> All right. She's writing as fast as she can, folks. Yeah, I love, but I I love the quick, because you're right. They're having to, I can see your point now. They had to pull together this band, and they had to do it quick. Um, Yeah. 
you know, they were going to be on them. They had, they didn't have time to, you know, linger over the fire and tell stories about how they became who they are. This is what they got to grab it go. Well, we do a little, but not, not, you know, pages and pages. Um, The thing with, I haven't said what the bad person wants. I mean, uh, there is, uh, I can't explain this either. Hmm, what can I say? Uh, Power, the grand magician has uh, power left over from pre-war eras in her stronghold. Uh, there's, there are some powers that uh, a lot of the populace think of as magic, and they are just technology that is not you know, familiar to them. So she has heard of a great power inside the enchantment, and she wants it. And the enchantment is behind uh, invisible portals that are locked, and the, the, uh, our land of the Fey people have stayed in there for a long time because what the humans have done to the outside sucks. So they do not want these humans in their land, and they don't come out anymore, although there was a time when they mixed together the peoples, the different beings. But they're, they're hiding in there, and they don't want humans in there, and they don't come out, usually. But somebody has been trying to pick their locks, and so that's why the beings, the three beings from the enchantment go into the world of Aliena and soon Arthur, is uh, mm. to find out who's been picking their locks and what do they want. And so it's mm. another, it's a power, it's a power struggle, in a lot of ways, and it will escalate into a hell of a battle. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, if just tell people, if you're listening tonight, uh, this is May the thirtieth, twenty twenty-three, eight twenty-five p.m. GMT minus, I think GMT minus four, Eastern, eight p.m. eight thirty. Um, Pacific 523, and you want to talk to Lynn Barker. You want to ask her a question about things she's written or about writing in general or about TVs or whatever. The number to call, 646-716-9922. That's 646-716-9922. It's a toll-free call in the continental U.S., and uh, yeah, please do. Um, or if people who don't have a phone or they're at a job where you can't make a phone call, uh, I've been there, Lynn. You know, you got to make a call, but you got to be secret. You got to be under the desk. Uh, just yeah. message me on Facebook, either through Madam Perry Salon or Jennifer Modette Perry, and I will share that with her. Okay. Um, I was not. I don't think I was really even aware when I was reading that there's going to be a sequel to Futurist Rex. Well, yeah, that's something I didn't do right because mm-hmm. I thought I could tell the story in by finishing what we had an outline on, and I realized after it I've got not just questions but people saying I want more. I want more. Well, I want to go in the enchantment. I want to know is Arthur oh, going to yeah. end up with Aliena permanently, or is he going to end up? Is she going to end up with Beige? What's going? To, you know, what's going on? I want you know. So I realized, oh dear, I'm going to have to write. <laughs> Dorothy and I had made notes in case the film, when we when we uh, had written this original script, in case mm-hmm. the film was popular or it ended up being a TV series. Who knew? Uh, was popular. We wrote notes for two sequels, mm-hmm. and uh, what I have done is is expand those notes into one. I don't think I can do three books. I have other books I want to write, but I'm going to do two. <laughs> I'm going to wrap up things that people ask questions about and mm-hmm. try to uh, expand on things people really like 
and uh, just you know make them, make everybody happier and tell more about these characters in this far future land. So oh, that's where that came. Good. I didn't originally plan it to have a sequel. That's why it doesn't say first in the Chronicles of Arthur. You know, it's not. <laughs> that's why that's not on the book cover. <laughs> well, uh, all right. Well, I think. I think we have a call coming in from somewhere in Chicago, right here through the genie bottle. And uh, I know it's for you, Lynn. Oh, dear. Welcome to Madam Perry. <laughs> Welcome to Madam Perry Salon. Come on in. Say hello to Hi Lynn there. Thank you. Thank you for welcoming me in. Well, hello, whoever you are. What's your name? Uh, my name is Peter G. I'm an animator uh, who lives in the Chicago area. Cool. <laughs> and uh, I've been listening to the show. I've I got a weird question for you. So I was looking over your IMDb, and it's like you're all over with science fiction. I mean, you had Space Academy and Jason Star Command, which I watched when I was a kid, oh, and yeah. DS9. And are there any sci-fi shows? Because sci-fi is kind of it was kind of undergoing a renaissance, mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of getting. I mean, we had the reboot of Battlestar Galactica, which was brilliant. The third mm-hmm. season of The Orville. Are yeah, there like any that. shows out there? Pardon me. I did like the Orville, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Are there any shows out there that you look at and you go, God, I wish their I wish their live producer would call me and say, Hey, can you give me a script? Oh gosh, well yeah, but uh, I kind of don't do that anymore. You know, I don't even have a, a agent in Hollywood anymore because uh, I've kind of gone into this novel mode. But uh, yeah, well I like I like Strange New Worlds. I you know that that Star Trek I like. I like. Um, I like a show. I like From, which is by the um, the original showrunners of Lost and uh, FROM. It's quite good. It's spooky as hell. Um, I loved Walking Dead, and I know Greg Nicotero, but I I didn't know he doesn't know I write. You know, could still write things. I think <laughs> so. I don't bother <laughs> these people. But the, there are shows that, yeah, there's others. My brain isn't isn't clicking on. If you mention some, I could probably tell you whether I'd love to write that or not. Well, I mean, it's I, I, well, that's what they said about how about how sci-fi it was undergoing a, a renaissance, and now it seems like they're trying to close it off a little bit because it seems like a lot of the good shows. I mean, I'm still upset we're not getting a season four of The Orville. I am still. Yeah, me too. And I've written them about that. I, (laughs) I I just, yeah, because there was a lot of really good humor in it, and yet there was some very good, you know, a lot of pathos and and soul-searching episodes as well. It had a nice combination. I thought it had a good combination of humor and. and some serious crap going on, you know. <laughs> I, I love Topa Story. I thought that yeah. was fantastic. And fantastic. Yeah, very good. And, and everybody in it was was quite good. And um, uh, in I, I really just you know there's so, so many shows that I wish could just keep going on that don't. In fact, there's something I was going to tell our hostess, Jen, that I should have a whole lot more credits because I wrote a whole lot more sci-fi and other shows, but either the showrunner that bought my script got canned and they threw every script the person bought out before it was shot, or the series was canceled before mine was shot. So I would have been I would have written the last season of old the old Hawaii Five O with Jack Lord. I would have written uh oh god, what else? A lot of other things. My mind isn't even you know, registering anything right now. But um I would have writ 
you know, written a whole lot of more, and I would have had more credits. But they didn't, the Writers Guild does not count credits if they're not produced. Right. Yeah, so I have a whole long list of stuff. I just had a lot of bad luck. (laughs) I wrote (laughs) two episodes of Amazing Stories that, uh, yeah, that never got on because of that. But that was cancellation. That wasn't because the showrunner got canned. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but that goes on. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing how things can change. I mean, it's. I'm. Tr- I'm. Tr- I think it was called. Uh, I think it was called Princess Guinevere and the Jewel Riders. That was originally supposed to be an all ages version of the Dragons of Pern books. Oh and yeah. Somewhere... Is, yeah. For so many years, they said, "Oh, we could never do those books." And of course, you can do them easily now with uh, with CGI. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. For years, people went, oh, I wish we could do justice to those dragons. Well, now you can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, for me, it was always amusing that it's like, yeah, we're going to do all ages dragons of parents. Like, okay, that's, ah, forget it. Let's just do, let's just do this toy tie-in. Okay. Mm. <laughs> well, it, you know, some of the net, because I was a network, I've done everything in the business, I guess. I was a net, minor network executive at CBS, and some of these people have no imaginations. They really don't. Some of them do. Some, some of the executives at networks actually have imaginations, which is great. But there are a great deal of them who really don't get it when you pitch. That's why Gene had the Gene Roddenberry had the pitch track is wagon train to the stars. Because oh, all no. they got then was westerns, because that was what was ruling the airways uh, at that time. Dorothy wrote a lot of those. D.C. Fontana wrote a whole lot of westerns as well. But uh, he had to pitch it, okay, you don't get it. It's a bunch of people going, oh, you don't get it. Okay, it's wagon train to the stars. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll buy that. One of my favorite stories was Mel Brooks when he was getting notes about Get Smart. And there was an episode where he sent the script to the network, and the note he got back from the network was, can you make the rabbi less Jewish? Uh, no. And, or can you, no. Yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Well, no, I can't even go over some of the notes I've gotten. They're, they're hilarious. Uh, the, other, oh, the other show that I, that I pitched to that uh, wasn't, didn't, you know, it got canned, or I forget what happened was Quantum Leap, the first Quantum Leap, not the new one. <laughs> I mean, there's more, and I could give you a list once they occur to me, but uh, I should have like 10 more credits that I can't have because the show was never shot. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, man. I, I, I'm a big fan of Ralph Bakshi, and they were talking with Tom Minton, who was one of his uh, people they worked with on Mighty Mouse, and then at one point came. I loved and Mighty Mouse when I was a little kid. I, uh, yeah, a young kid. Yeah, I loved Mighty Mouse. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And here, what is it? Here we come to save the day. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Mighty Mouse. Okay, I will sing. I do sing and play guitar, but I'm not going to sing the Mighty Mouse. But she is okay. a singer, yeah, and a musician, so, but okay. You, you, yeah, you need some pipes to sing that, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but men had come got- up to him one time had come up to him one time and said, you know, every other show I've worked on has gotten notes from the network. I haven't gotten any notes. And Ralph oh. told him, you got notes. You never saw them. I burned them all. <laughs> and Minton looked, looked at the camera and said, he probably wasn't kidding. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that can get your show canceled if you don't, you know, at least pretend you're doing what they ask. You can think of another way to do it, you know. Well, uh, well, then that can get your show canned if you ignore them too much. So. Well, okay. <laughs> the, the, 
the story the story of of Ralph and the and the standards of so yeah, he was in his office one day and he gets a call from standards and practices say well we want to change this and edit that and slow this down and cut this out and for a while Ralph wait a minute let me get this straight I don't legally have to do anything you say it well yeah technically that's true and he hung up the phone and never talked to him again <laughs> okay. okay. All right. Hey, that's a good stuff. Hold with me just one second, folks. I've got a message I need to give for the International Steampunk Symposium from my friend Captain cool. Medea Ashera. And we'll be right back with more Lynn Parker. Stay with us. Okay. It was here. Salutations! Captain Medea Ashra here cordially inviting you to attend the International Steampunk Symposium circus-themed event, Steampunk Under the Big Top, happening from June 16th through the 18th at the Holiday Inn Eastgate in Cincinnati, Ohio. We have Freak Show Deluxe coming, and our afternoon fairway will have games, curiosities, balloon artists, prizes, and so much more. Madame Askew and the Grand Arbiter are coming from out west, bringing with them compliment dueling, which is only one of the Steampunk Olympiad games that will be going on throughout the weekend. You can come dressed up or casual, but should you want to get kitted out, we have over 40 amazing vendors on site. With the popularity of our afternoon tea in past years, this year we'll be offering two high tea events on Saturday. After our fashion show Saturday evening, our gothic masquerade starts out with dance lessons, and we have not one, but two amazing DJs on stage. To make things even more exciting, with it being Father's Day weekend, children under 18 will be admitted for free on Sunday with the purchase of an adult ticket. Head on over to SteampunkSymposium.com to get your TN convention tickets, book a room, and find out more information about our event. And don't forget, life is a circus. Enjoy the show. All right. Thanks so much, Captain Medea Ashera. And that's coming up very soon, the International Steampunk Symposium. So we are back here with Lynn Barker and, of course, Madame Perry Salon's favorite Polish animator, Peter G., has called in. Uh, I'm still here. Okay. All right. So, uh, so Lynn, have you ever written for steampunk? Have I ever? I'm sorry. I didn't hear that. Have you ever written any scripts that involve steampunk? No, but I have been to uh, conventions where some beautiful costumes uh, were, you know, a lot of steampunk kids I've talked to and young people I've talked to. And I love that. I love the look of that. Mm. But no, I hadn't. I hadn't. I don't think that was even big when I was, you know, in the in the uh, apex of my career as a television writer. I don't think it was even big then. So it's bigger now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely is. Um, now, you've gotten so many articles, too, as a journalist and different things. Uh, I see American Cinephotographer, uh, the, the Writers Guild magazine written by, and you even have a story in Chicken Soup and the so- Chicken Soup for the Soul of America. Yeah, that one was written right after uh, 9-11, and uh, a friend and I, in fact a famous friend, uh, Robert Skotak of the Skotak Brothers uh, special effects team who won several Oscars, uh, he and I decided we needed to do something to commemorate. It was like a year later, I think, or maybe it was even six months later. I can't remember. But we went to a park in uh, North Hollywood that didn't have anybody in it but us, and we started lighting candles. And... uh, 
all of a sudden, this person would come up, that person would come up, uh, homeless people from the park would come up, people would stop mm. their cars, and it grew and it grew and it grew until uh, fire trucks were joining us and parking on either corner. Cops were coming, not to break it up, but to get out of their cars and join in, and it was a, just a memory of all the people who had died, and uh, everybody shouting USA and singing, and, and, and it just became this huge thing. CNN came, the local channels came, mm-hmm. and it became this national thing, and my friend and I started it, and I wrote about it in Chicken Soup for the Soul of America, and... Uh, you know, it it was accepted right away, and I got a firefighter's award for writing it too. Oh, yeah! Wow, that was it was just amazing how it trickled and trickled, and then people from a church came with candles, and then people at the restaurant across the street just got out of the restaurant and came. You know, it just grew and grew and grew and grew. So that was neat. <laughs> that Well, you know, one other thing I learned from that that is quite an experience, Lynn. Mm-hmm, it was. Yep. I mean, as you described, you know, you just you just picture it. So it's not nothing happened quite the way you expected, especially when, you know, with the police and the fire. Just that is a quite. Well, a what was wonderful moment. is nobody cared what your politics were. We were Americans, yeah. and somebody had yeah. attacked America. So mm-hmm. uh, it's like in all the science fiction novels when some uh, alien race attacks Earth. Then suddenly you aren't uh, nations. You are humans. You are people. You are Earthers, and this was. Amazing because we we nobody cared you know what kind of person you were, or what your your wealth in the world was, or what your politics were at all. We were all Americans and we were all you know singing, chanting and singing and USA USA. And so we I wish we could have that again and not be as divided as um, we are. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> Wouldn't that be nice? Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't want a, a big disaster that may, in order to no, make it happen. No, I'm just saying no. That. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, in in your bio and on your website, and by the way, the uh, Lynn's website is lynnbarker.net. Uh, the newest book that she co-wrote with longtime friend uh, DC Fontana, Futurist Rex, is available on. Um, Amazon. I think you can get it online from uh, Barnes and Noble and different places. If you don't know where to get it, yes, everywhere. But if you don't know where to get it, ask me. I will be sharing information on a website and how to get her book on all of my social media, not only Madam Perry Salon, but also on my personal social media. So that way I'll make sure that everybody knows where and how to get it if you haven't got it already. Have you got it already, Peter? I think he went away. Yeah, let me tell you something, Jen, I forgot to say, and that is uh, until uh, June 9th, it is, uh, the e-book is for sale for 99 cents in honor of Dorothy for Memorial Day. So oh. get on there now. It's usually, it's usually $5, but the e-book, but it's uh, 99 cents. So heck, you know, you can't lose. And also the paperback is there and a wonderful audio book recorded by a wonderful uh, artist named Stacy Lind, L-I-N-D. She is a beautiful reader, and she had to do like six different kinds of British accents. The posh and the, and the you know, the poor gal and the poor boy and the, you just every British accent you'd ever imagine. And a couple of Scottish ones and an Irish one, and, and she did a great job. So, um, 
if you like audiobooks, there you go. There's that too. <laughs> All right. Yeah, audiobooks are great, especially people who drive for work or just have to drive, period. Um, oh, and one more, yes, and, and sometimes people listen to them while they work because they do something with their hands and they're just sitting there, you know, they're working. But that's a good thing, too. Or while you're running, put it, put the iPods in your ear or whatever and go running with it. But I wanted to mention a fan page we have on uh, Futurist Rex is the name on, on Facebook. And I put up, you know, information on what I'm doing and then old pictures of Dorothy and I that nobody has seen. And uh, it's just a place to, to um, catch up with it and get the latest on the book. So uh, that's just at Futurist Rex. It's a fan page on Facebook. And also okay. I like Goodreads author. Get me on Goodreads. I'm a Goodreads author. Too. Oh, yes, Goodreads. <laughs> hey, Lynn Barker, I mean, as, 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 like I said, to paraphrase my producer, Megan Whitlock, she's Lynn freaking Bar- Barker. And she doesn't have enough doesn't have enough followers no. on Goodreads. So Peter, you get over to Goodreads and uh follow Lynn Barker and tell all your friends. And I will too. Go to the fan page and give us some more followers. We need more followers. <laughs> and the fan page too. And I have just posted a couple of today some uh things from the fan page for Futurist Rex that's on uh Facebook. I posted it on my pages so you can just link well, that to there. And you you're welcome, Lynn. After all you've done for us for uh, most of our lives, it's the least I could do. No, I just now, try to do my artistic thing, whatever it is. I'm, you know. <laughs> this, oh, my kitty! Uh, my kitty is needing the pillow again. My kitty is uh, acting oh, up. Oh, oh. She, okay. it is, when you're in Madame Perry's salon, Michonne and everyone else can do whatever feels right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So she, won't, um, she won't go to the bathroom. She, she doesn't do that unless it's in her box. Oh, so. I know. I know. <laughs> I know she won't take that too literally. No, no, no she's not going to do just anything. I'd like to weed, if I could. Um, now, my best friend Patty, when I was growing up, we remember when Star Trek first started. And, oh. and our, our shows were Star Trek and Man from U.N.C.L.E. And oh my God! Lift. I watched Man. I loved Man from Uncle. Yeah, Elias oh, Kuryakin we... or whatever his yeah right and Napoleon Solo. I remember those. And Napoleon Solo. Um, <laughs> oh yes, I've got. I think I've got a. I've got a vinyl album of uh, Robert Vaughn reading. Oh. I think he's reading King Arthur. Really? <laughs> I gotta find that. <laughs> I'll have to dig. I'll have to dig out and find it. Uh, yes, and I've still got a, a handbook from Uncle, and did I got I some? A picture, I think. But yeah, so that was a long time ago. <gasps> but uh, but our favorites were yeah, we loved the public. And did you did you like um, David McCallum on NCIS? Yeah, that's what, yeah, oh. after all, yes, it, bringing him back was nice to see him again. Different different look, not the cute little blonde-haired, soup bowl oh, cut, no. you know, Ilya Kuryakin, but he's a good actor, and it was, it was fun <laughs> to see him, yeah. Well, <clears throat> and of course, we loved everybody on Star Trek, and Walter Koenig, who played Ensign uh, oh, Chekhov, one of our uh, favorites. Yeah. He wrote well, a lovely blurb, a review, um, do you, can I read it, or did you want to? Oh, sure. It's kind of a flip. It's funny. It's kind of fun. But yeah, go ahead. No, you read it. He gave us a good review. We're trying to get. Okay. We're trying to get um, um, 
you know, George Takei now, but he's going to conventions all the time. You can't find him. That guy, yes. He's, he's like a... He's like some teen idol now. He's everywhere. Um, I know a friend that was in one of his shows, and it's, uh, it's crazy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Star Trek's Chekhov. Walter Kane reviews Futurist Rex by D.C. Fontana and Lynn Barker. And he says, that's my Casey Kasem, and he writes, Past worlds and future worlds clash and revealed is a world of enchantment. King Arthur, the once and future king, returns, as does Modred, Arthur's great nemesis. Aliena, the songsayer, stands beside Arthur to do battle against grand musician, help me there, Korean? Magician, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Korean, it's Korean, yes. Korean. Oh, magician. Yeah, I know how to say magician, but... <laughs> Uh, mad empress our relationships are formed people triumph and people die as the story rushes to a satisfying conclusion I read it in a day and a half and he wrote that in March so folks yeah yeah that's uh yeah, we're really grateful. Yeah, we're so sadly um, Walt lost his wife Judy uh, at the end of last year, and that's his long time. Uh, and who was on uh, several uh, Star Trek movies? As she was an actress as well, and uh, he lost her. So uh, to have him agree, you know, this soon to be doing that favor for us to read the book was really, yeah, I was really grateful. Oh yeah. Yeah. Judy Levitt, um, that was her, um, her Levitt, name. yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now, I see, too, again, from your website, it says um, Lynn was an MPAA accredited Hollywood entertainment journalist for several websites. Writing experience also includes show scripts for Disney, Imagineering, and Universal theme park auctions, script doctor, and screenplay consultant. Do you still do consultations, or can people still hire you to, to doctor Well, not script? right now, because I'm trying to write the sequel. <laughs> 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 uh, I, I do it on and off, and I used to have a website, but it's now obsolete. I'd have to create another one uh, as the story consultant or screenplay doctor. Uh, I may have to start writing it again, you know, before. But, no, I, I have to concentrate on this sequel right now because I'm busy uh, talking to people like you and uh, <laughs> writing ads and doing things to sell the first book. So um, not right now I'm not doing it, but I might in future <laughs> start it up again. Okay. All right. So if people can watch when the next book is finished, then they can hire you or try to hire you. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but people can write me if they want to ask me a question about what's coming up, and I won't tell them everything, but uh, or make a comment about the book or whatever. You can write me at futurusdc at gmail.com, F-U-T-U-R-U-S-D-C, for Dorothy's name, at gmail.com. All right, futurusdc at gmail, and it is it is legit email address, folks, because it's real. It works yeah, for me. I'll get yeah. it. I might not look at it every day, but I will get to you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, by the way, I also want to say, uh, while I've got time, I want to thank my friend and fellow podcaster, Sherry Rabinowitz, for introducing Yay, me to Sherry. you and making this connection. <laughs> and Sherry is, she's, she's quite a talented woman. 
she's a writer as well and a playwright, but she's a podcaster, and I just uh, I just adore her. She's she's my West Coast sister. And yeah, chatting so with much, Sherry. Her. Chatting with Sherry is her S H E R R I is her uh, show. Yes, chatting with Sherry, and thank you, Sherry. I texted her that I was going to give her a shout out and thank you, love. So. Uh, be sure to listen to Chatting with Sherry. And sometimes she has plays, uh, audio plays that she writes and cast. And people, uh, are, they're very, very good. Uh, especially if you like uh, those old kind of murder mysteries like the old British things like the Cecil Beaton or uh, mm-hmm. Miss, Miss Fisher. Yeah. Uh, that's great. So you're working on a sequel. I'm, well, I'm, and... at this point, I'm, I'm fleshing out the outline. I haven't started writing the actual book. I'm trying to get the kinks out of the outline so, you know, everything is answered and nothing is illogical. And uh, that's the worst part of writing, I think, is getting – not that people don't use an outline. They just, you know, have a character, and the characters start doing things, and they write a book. That's not me. I'm – I'm, and Doc wasn't Dorothy either. You you plan it out uh, in some way. And then, of course, characters are going to take off and do whatever they want to, and you'll have a scene that you didn't even plan on. Uh, every writer knows that. But I like to, to, you know, plan it out and say, uh-oh, oh, why would he have done that if this happened? Then you have to go back and fix it. So I'm trying to fix it in advance um, before I get going on it. So I'm, I am working on it. It's just going to take me a while. <laughs> okay. Yep. Well, we can't wait, and we're so excited. And um, I just can't uh, – I would just love to see this on the screen because now now people have the ability to create what you what, – what Bud Lewis had an idea for and that he shared with DC and you and the things that you have created and put together. Now people could make it real. Yeah, and, it just was yeah, it would it was it would have to be a guy in a suit or something animated like a you know like a cartoon animation uh, back in that day, and that wouldn't work for a character that is in your face talking to you. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah. But uh, but by the way, if you go to uh, the Futurist Rex fan page on Facebook, I've posted a lot of Bud's drawings, original drawings that he was going to use in the graphic novel of the story, up on that, and you can if you're a, a graphic novel fan. And uh, you can look at those. Now, some of them do not look like the characters ended up looking like because, we, you know, <laughs> they, they, uh, they evolved. But some of them do. And so, um, you know, and, of course, you're going to have your own ideas in your head of who and what everybody looks like when you uh, read it. But it's fun to see Bud's really excellent drawings, and they're, they're posted. You just have to scroll down on the page to see all the posts. And uh, let me insert this. If you have to scroll down a good ways to get to it, believe me, the trip, folks, is delightful. Every (laughs) There are just some beautiful pictures. And so, yeah, it is. It's a delightful trip there. Oh, and a cute picture of Walter Koenig. So, oh, you're looking at it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, okay. yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, by the way, you... though, we used a song. I want to. I want to give my friend some credit. We used a song that Aliena, the song sayer, sings called "A Star to Steer By." That the lyric it was written by Karen Wilson, who uh, is also a writer, and uh, did a lot of filking, especially back in the day when I met her that way. And uh, she uh, let us use her uh, her lyrics 
for Aliena, and I credit her at the end of the book. So I wanted to mention Karen Wilson. Oh, well, lovely, Karen Wilson. Okay, good. And um, and you were a performer. You're a musician. You said you play guitar, you sing, and you did it professionally. Well, not well. Yeah, I've been paid. Oh boy, how do we say that? I guess it's professionally if you've ever been paid. So I guess. But well, Dorothy and I used to sing folk songs at conventions, and we would we would lampoon a show that we thought was a Dorothy show. We would lampoon it, or we would praise it, and we'd you know do a do a real praising song to things we liked. Mm-hmm. And we sang together and played. But I started uh, uh, singing folk in the folk revival, which was the '60s folk revival that happened that you know you'd hear songs on the radio yeah. that were folk songs by you know oh my god the Kingston Trio Peter Paul and Mary the Chad Mitchell mm-hmm. Trio I can go on and on but these were when I was young I started that's how I started playing guitar and I was with a, a trio uh, three girls in uh, high school we we would sing and then when I got to college I graduated to singing with two guys with me and two guys <laughs> so we became the Peter Paul and Mary of Albuquerque New Mexico but uh <laughs> Yeah, and and I uh, put my guitar aside for a while, and then finally um, I you know did a little bit more filking, and then Dorothy and I kind of stopped doing that. But when I got when I moved back to New Mexico uh, nine years ago from I came from New Mexico, and I moved back here in 2014, and uh, I found the Albuquerque Folk Festival and met those people, and now I'm a part of that. So I'm seeing oh, my good. old folk again. And I've written a few songs that I never tried to publish or anything, but uh, I mainly just do it for fun. And um, now I'm in – the Folk Festival is going to be October 7th here during our balloon fiesta. It's the same weekend as our big Albuquerque balloon fiesta. So uh, we have a, a big folk festival that we do, so all day, and it's a lot of fun. So I'll be be singing and playing in that. Yeah, that sounds yeah, that sounds great. And a yeah. professional. Well, people ask me, you know, when I was with because most of my band, my band did a lot of, you know, club. But we did some corporate work too. So when people say, um, "You're you're a singer, you got a band," I've never heard of you. And I would just go, well, it doesn't really matter because the IRS has, so. Oh, my God, yeah, uh-huh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think you can get away with a little bit, but a certain amount, after a certain amount, they're after you, yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> but, uh, no, we never we never made a record or we never, but somebody approached us at one time when I was in college, but uh, we never did that, but, uh uh, you know, just for fun, I always have done it. I've always, since I was quite young, like a, my gosh, twelve or something, I've uh, I've liked to sing and play guitar. <laughs> Not that I I sing better than I play guitar, that's for sure. Well, I will uh, maybe when I get out that way again, maybe we can meet and I will bring my um, percussion. I'll bring my shaker egg and I can show you what I can do with that. You know. Ooh, awesome! Uh, I can play the tambourine pretty well. <laughs> All right. I've never gotten a shaker egg solo, but I always, you know, keep thinking one day those guys are going to those guys are going to want to go home with a paycheck. Yes, sir. Yes. <laughs> for sure. All right. Liv Barker, thank you so much for being so generous with your time and your stories and everything you've given to this world. You and your oh, friend DC Fontana have made Make me sound you like come no, no, I haven't given that much. I've just tried to do what I what I have to do. If you're a writer, you got to write. So. <laughs> oh, and, oh, and I did watch. I did watch. Uh, um, I can't remember the name now. Uh, Dead Woman's Shoes. Oh, that's that my yeah, Helen Mirren. Helen Mirren, man, that's my zone, and I, I still, 
uh, I was as an entertainment journalist. I interviewed Helen a couple of times, and uh, you know we did a little old home week because we met on set of my of that zone. And uh, this is before she was Dame Helen. She was just starting her movie career and television back that in those days. But uh, yeah, I've got a wonderful autographed picture of her in my in my zone that I treasure. If there's a fire, that's one of the first things I'm running out of the house with. Besides <laughs> Michonne, besides little Michonne. Michonne, oh yes, and Michonne, you have been such a precious guest tonight. You've just been so sweet. I hope you feel comfortable. I hope my pillow's <laughs> there. I hope the pillow was comfortable for you, Lynn Barker, but I also oh, hope it's comfortable. Oh, I love this place. I mean, it's it's really like good. being inside a genie bottle. It's lovely. Oh, good, good. Well, we aim to please. And Michonne, I hope that the uh, the need that pillow was uh, sufficient. Well, I'm, so, I'm sorry the stuffing is sticking out in one corner, so we'll have to. Yeah, I've got to clip her claws because when she needs, you can uh, you can be maimed. <laughs> well, look at it this way: when it gets thrown, when the stuffing gets thrown out the window, and then you can see what NASA says about it. Okay, maybe James okay. Webb <laughs> telescope <laughs> will have some kind of story about it. So, anyway, thanks, folks. I have people messaging me in. Uh, Pat from Tennessee uh, says. I, I love you. I think you're wonderful, and thank you so much for being on the show tonight. And uh, thank, you. thank you, Pat. And also, uh, uh, Matt uh, in Alabama said the same thing. He says, I have listened Aww. to the entire show. This is fantastic. Thank you so much. Aww. I will get the book tonight. So, so yeah. Dorothy thinks you from uh, floating around in the stars where she is now. Uh, so yeah, somewhere out where- there. No woman has gone before. No, she's out there. <laughs> and so she thanks you, too. She thanks you, too. And thanks to uh, Megan Whitlock, my producer, and to our friend, our favorite Polish animator, Peter G. And yeah, thank thanks, you so Peter. much. <laughs> and thanks uh, for everything. Um, this is Madam Perry and Lynn Barker and Michonne saying, you folks are pretty cool, so be good to yeah. each other. Be good to yourselves. And and remember my philosophy, everybody's got the swing. Love you. See you next week. Bye-bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. 
There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ShumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.